thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, everybody. It's great to see all of you. Uh, So fun to have uh, Dawson and Asher up here. I feel like they are like Bo and Luke Duke for the kingdom right now, baby. And uh, so great job, fellas. If you don't know what that is, Gen Z, that's all right. All of us from two generations ago, we know. And uh, hey, um, uh, we're going to start a new series here uh, called See the One in Just a Moment. I'll give you more on that in just a minute. Hey, didn't Pastor Nathan do a great job last week? Can we give Pastor Nathan a great hand? Love you, love you, love you. So good to see you. Um, And it's great to see all of you. Uh, Thanks so much for coming today. If you're new to Radiant, uh, we are honored and glad that you're here. And if you wouldn't mind just filling out, there's a connection card, both digital and print. And if you wouldn't mind filling that out, it's in your seat. And uh, dropping it uh, in the bucket at the conclusion of the service, we will be in touch with you this week. And uh, it is a delight to have you with us. So, uh, Raven, let's give a big hand for everybody that's here for the first time. We're so glad you're here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's good. I think uh, 25% of you are glad. So, uh, that's all right. We'll get there. Um, Hey, uh, if you've got, if you, if you noticed when you came in, uh, there was a, a display right out here, and Kyle and Tara put that together. I deeply love Kyle and Tara. Uh, they serve as prayer directors here at our church, and uh, I'm, I'm old enough that I, I knew, uh, Tara was actually an intern, and uh, Renata, my house, lived in our basement uh, back in the day, uh, and then she met the man of her dreams who was in our internship named Kyle. I'm friends with uh, her parents, and so that's, that's how that goes. Uh, but anyway, now they're grown-ups, and uh, they live here. They have four kids, and they put together this incredible process here of 21 Days. And here's what we're doing. It begins today. And as you know, we do this every year. We do 21 days of prayer uh, in January, where our goal is intercessory prayer, where we come together uh, and pray together uh, as a church every day. And Renata and I had a dream uh, when we started the church to have a church that was deeply abiding in the vine. And so we decided to do 21 days of prayer, not just in January, but also in August before we begin our small group semester. And so the 21 days of prayer that begins today is not focused on corporate intercession, corporate gatherings of prayer, although we'll continue our Monday night prayer meeting. Um, But our goal is for you to take 21 days and be with Jesus every single day. And so for many of you, that's uh, a part of your normal routine. Uh, For some of you, this is just like kind of uh, fuel on the fire and going back and, and establishing that again. I think if, um, if, if there's any spiritual discipline that I, that I dream for you, uh, it is that you would be close to the Lord, that you would spend time with God. And so uh, we've developed as many resources as we can right now at this phase of our church. One day, who knows what we'll have, but um, these are pretty amazing. Uh, we have journals for you like this, um, and they look like that. And then, uh, then we also have um, these if you, if you kept yours from last year that looked just like this, um, we also have uh, more inserts, so you can pick those up. And then we also have a devotional guide for each one of you. 
And so this uh, is 21 Days of Prayer devotional guide. And so uh, we have people in our church that have written some of these. And so um, uh, actually most of them. And so if you wouldn't mind going through it, you can look through it. And each day we'll be working on this together. And so this is one of the fun things, whether you're connecting through social media or if you're talking about it in your small group, uh, where we can kind of go through uh, what, what, what we read today. And we're, we're unified. We're doing it as a church. And so uh, we're, we're digging into Matthew 5 this week, um, but if you'll pick this up, it's actually a fairly short read, but we'll all be unified in doing it together. And so those are re- really fun. And then in addition, this year we added um, 21 Days Family Devotional Guide. And so there's another 21 right here, uh, and this is uh, put together forward by Kayla Pitcher. Hey, Kayla's a volunteer, everybody. She takes care of our kids every week. Can you give Kayla a big hand? She's incredible. She's amazing. And so uh, I, I love this. So this coincides uh, with this guide. And so those of you fathers and mothers that would like to lead your kids in tribal Bible or in your family meeting or whatever you call it, uh, that's available to you. And so those are phenomenal resources written by people in our church for our church. Let's give all of our, I would guess, 42 different authors a big hand. Can you do that, everybody? So great. And then we are wanting to train up your kids, even if they cannot uh, write yet. Uh, what Renata and I did with our kids is just draw pictures. Until you can write, just draw pictures. So you can just draw pictures of uh, you and Jesus together, but we've got these for your kids as well. And those are uh, available for all kids. All right, everybody got it? So we'll spend 21 days uh, focused in on each one of us committing to spend time alone with God each day. And if you fall short and you miss a day, that's not like, oh no, I'm out. That's like, oh, I missed yesterday. Just get back up on the horse and start again tomorrow. Does that make sense? And so um, anyway, it's gonna be great. I'm excited, believing God that when we abide, when we spend time with God, he's the one that does the work and God starts to make things happen all around us. Amen? All right, okay, good. Um, hey, uh, a couple more announcements, and that is uh, on uh, September 9th, we have Flourish coming up, and so I want to invite all ladies to make sure and sign up for that, either uh, right out here in the lobby or online. That's going to be amazing, September 9th. And then kind of the, the big announcement um, that I want to just keep aiming at uh, today is I want to I kind of reverse engineer our, our September um, homecoming Sunday. So years ago when we started, uh, we got to the first year uh, and, and when the church began, and it's hard to pick a starting date because it really started with prayer meetings in our house, but, but the way that we decided to verbalize it was the first time that we had a Sunday morning service uh, in, in the school. And so we'll say that was the, the day and we started having our anniversary. Well, we got into it and I felt like it got a little bit strange when once a year we were celebrating ourselves because when you pray about it, I'm not so sure that God was as excited about us celebrating ourselves. I wanted to see what does heaven celebrate? Like what is God excited about? And so, uh, so we've kind of retooled the way that we do our one year anniversary and instead of, sell, we, we do, we have kind of top line, bottom line. So we do still have a little kind of minor party, like, what's up? We're going to be seven years old. That's good. But we're focused in big time on celebrating what heaven celebrates. And what heaven celebrates when we read Luke 15 is three different stories where heaven celebrates when the lost are found. So when a lost person comes home, when they find Christ, that's what causes heaven to rejoice. So We've read the story. We did a series on it before about how the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son, all three, when they are found 
then heaven rejoices. And so that's what we're kind of going for is uh, we're going to focus in on that day celebrating a few things. One, we're going to have stories of people who were lost and now are found. So we'll get a little bit more of that. Second is we'll have a message that's just focused really just fastball down the middle on, on who Jesus is. And so maybe you have that person that you uh, have been thinking about inviting to church and you're looking for the right Sunday. Well, I think that would be a great one. Um, as you know, the number one time that people are usually willing to come to church is both Christmas and Easter in the United States here. I think homecoming is a good one for us. That's not normal in, in normal churches, but we're aiming for that day to be special. And then in addition, we'll have um, the things that Americans love. We'll have $7 coffee and we'll have, uh, you know, super expensive lattes and some fun things for your kids. And so um, it'll, be, it'll be an awesome day. Everybody got it? Oh, come on. I need you to talk more. I'm, listen, I was youth pastor for 20 years. They talk more than you guys do. Even the kids on the front row aren't talking to me. So are you with me? Yeah. All right, good. Okay. So, uh, or maybe it's that I'm a triplet and I've never had my own birthday, so I'm just insecure. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, I'd love it if you just talk back to me. Um, so anyway, uh, that's going to be great. And my mom's laughing, so we good. Um, but then on that, um, on that, on that homecoming day, uh, we're going to have baptisms as well. So baptism is when you go public with your faith. And, and my dream is that um, we've had moments where we celebrate people giving their life to Jesus. And then the, the baptism process is beautiful in that um, people make this public declaration, declaration. I have decided to follow Jesus. And so we'll have baptisms that day. And I want to take this 21 days of prayer season. And I want to invite you to pray in that in that prayer journal that you have to spend time in focused prayer, just you and Jesus praying for specific people that you know that don't know God or they're distant or they're a prodigal or there's some circumstance in their life where right now there's something keeping them distant from wholehearted love for God. And I'd like to invite you to embrace the role of you spending time in prayer for them, believing that the lost would be found. So in addition to just kind of a generic way of uh, people you know, be, becoming saved, I'd like for you to think, who are the specific people that I could begin to pray for? They don't have to live in Kansas City. They could be in your family. You could, your primary relationship with them could be uh, in the community. It could be friendship. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be anywhere. But if you could just develop those and then, and then just start to pray for them. So you... You and I, we can't reach the whole world, but we can reach our world. So your influence, my influence, doesn't go global to touch the whole world, but there is a small world. Sounds like Disneyland. There is a small world that you have, and I want to invite you to, in, to reach your small world. I want to invite you to reach three, four people that you can focus in on in this season. And then, whether it be at homecoming or Christmas or Easter or any Sunday, I want to invite you to invite them to come to church or invite them to your small group or share your faith with them. But over the course of time, as you pray for them, you'll start to see God at work inside of them. And one of the things, this is turning into a sermon. I'm just trying to make the announcement for homecoming. Uh, one of the things that we do as a church at Radiant is that we, uh, we invite the person who has been intentional to um, help someone come to faith, a parent, a friend, a colleague, to actually get in the baptismal tank out there uh, with the pastor and just join us in, 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 in baptizing. And, and I believe uh, my experience in the last number of years as I've seen God do this supernaturally where he saves souls, he's the one that does work, but he uses you. 
I have seen people have more joy over that than, than big sales to suddenly uh, have a whole lot of money or getting their dream house. Meaning when God is at work and he uses you as and your gifts, your skills, and your verbal witness, and your sharing, and somebody comes, and their eternal destiny is changed because God is at work, but you played a role in it. I've watched more joy in that than, than all these secondary things. So I want to invite you to think that way. You with me? I want to invite you to even, even just picture it. Okay, God, help me to, to have faith. Give me faith for that person to come to faith to be baptized and to keep moving in their faith. And I think it's even great. Maybe it's your prodigal 24-year-old. Maybe it is your uh, neighbor down the road, but you are going to labor in the spiritual realm in secret for that person with great faith that they're gonna not only come to Jesus, but then maybe one day you'll join them in the tank. All right, does that make sense? Okay, so if you would have that vision and you can, you can name it, do it any way you want. I thought about making... Like I was a youth pastor for so long, I thought about making stickers or trinkets or something, or, but I'm just going old school, write it in your journal. Just you do it your way and pray and just believe, circle it if you want, but just believe for them. Okay, so I wanna take this uh, little series leading up to homecoming and I wanna invite us to look at the way that we see Jesus. Uh, Jesus over and over again builds relationships with the one, with, with people. So we see many times that Jesus preaches to crowds, and then we see moments where Jesus makes disciples of 12 or 70. But we see over and over again, in addition to those things, these moments where Jesus was so intentional with the one. So when other people saw that one as a nuisance and wouldn't invest their time because they have their car, their, um, their coffee shop, the place that they work out, their gym, their friends, their world, they don't want it to be disrupted by the person of inconvenience. But Jesus was somebody who was frequently inconvenienced for the sake of the one, where he saw the one. And so it could be a blind man. It could be, uh, it could be a, a man with leprosy. It could be the woman with the issue of blood. It could be Zacchaeus in the tree. It could be, we have many stories. And I wanna take these next few weeks that we have together. And my dream is that God would do a work inside of us so that we continue to be a radiant light between Sundays. So we do come in here and Katie Reed reads Psalm 150 and it's like, woohoo, let's go. It's bright light on Sundays. But it's a bright light through us Monday through Saturday. It's God at work in and through God's people Monday through Saturday and we're being a bright light all across the city. All right, so with all that, let's go to John chapter four, and we're gonna focus in today on the Samaritan woman, all right? Samaritan woman, reads like this, we're gonna start in verse four. A lot of Bible here, so get ready. I'll read it, and then we'll pray. Now, he uh, had to go through Samaria, which is interesting. A lot of Bible commentators talk differently about that phrase. Many of them agree with me, which means they're right, and that is that Jesus went, when it says, he, hey, all right, he had to go to Samaria, that Many Bible commentators would say this, this was mission. This was not geographical that he had to go through Samaria because many would go around Samaria. But Jesus had to go. And when John is writing this, uh, Holy Spirit driven, he's saying Jesus had a mission. Jesus had a purpose. Jesus had a relationship. Jesus had somebody that he wanted to meet in Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And when a Samaritan came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? 
His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Uh, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did, as did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the well I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands and the man you, are, you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit, the truth and in the spirit and in truth. Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Father, we love you today. We ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to be your witnesses, your lights, your conversation starters. Lord, your uh, people that personify Jesus, that, that demonstrate a, a kingdom mentality, G people that are uh, so in love with Jesus, that so walk with Jesus, that we look for opportunities. And we thank you for this example that we see in Jesus, our, our God. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to live like that today. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, yesterday, I was reading an article um, about a forest fire that took place just out of Spokane, Washington. So uh, just over 9,500 acres have already burned. Um, there's 185 different structures that have already burned to the ground. There's at least one death. Uh, it's tragic. It's extremely sad. It's, um, it's, it's at Medical Lake, just outside Spokane. And on a normal week, um, I, that probably would not get my attention. That article probably uh, wouldn't even <laughs> capture me off guard. And I hate to confess that, but the truth is I, 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 I'm so busy with, with my life and my family and the church that God's called me to lead and my city, Kansas City, that, that most of the time I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay attention. I just, I'm just too distant from it. But this week it has my attention and yesterday it had my attention because Last week, I was at that camp. Dawson and I went and, uh, and we, we, we worked together. So uh, I spoke um, on Monday night 
and uh, preached to a bunch of teenagers. And then I hit the airport on Tuesday, fist bumped him, tag teamed, and, and Dawson took it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, Dawson actually left the camp at 12 o'clock uh, and it burned to the ground at 1230. And, uh, and so those 185 structures, um, uh, some of those structures were this beautiful camp. Now, I, on Monday, had lunch at the camp. I talked to the camp director, and uh, we talked about what God was doing through the camp, and I told him it was one of the most beautiful camps I'd ever been to, and I know camps. I've been around camps my whole life, and so I, I, I had just connected with him, and he, he was telling me about some of the dreams that he had to make it better, and, and he was telling me about how the wait staff worked, and here's some of these people that are retired, and, and they had either built cabins, or they brought their RVs, and, and they had decided to take their, uh, their retired years and instead of taking trips or buying cabins out in, in other places, they were going to help young people in their faith. And so they could be watching Netflix, but they're there making tater tots and hot dogs, you know, to help teenagers. And, and so I was talking about how I thought, I thought it was so kingdom to have these people that were in their uh, 70s and 80s uh, taking care of teenagers. And I, it was such a delight. He was such a delight. And, and so when I read the article yesterday and I'm texting, you know, the pastor to try to figure it out, my, my proximity of nearness to the camp, because I'd just been there was different. In fact, I had an urgency because I wanted to make sure not only was my boy safe, uh, but I wanted to make sure that all their kids were safe. And I wanted to hear, were any of the deaths, any of the people that we knew, was there anybody from the church? So there was a different level of urgency. There was a little bit different connection with it. Why? Because I had just been there, because I had met the people. Sometimes when we, when, when we pray uh, about people that are lost, or when I say, hey, I'd love it for you, if you would put a few people on your list to pray for. Or if we read statistics like that there's 5.2 billion people across the earth that still don't know Jesus. When it's a statistic or when Asher's up here and he's praying for another nation and you don't know anybody in that nation, sometimes the, the heaven and hell realities are so distant that it doesn't connect with our hearts. But when you have the names of individual people that you've prayed for, that you've wept for, that you believed for, then the idea of salvation, the idea of that they would come to know Jesus because you're close to it will create a different level of urgency. And so my dream is that after these 21 days, you'd have another level of urgency, that it wouldn't just be a statistic, that it wouldn't just be the person that's on the wait staff at Red Robin that you, uh, yeah, 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 I'll, 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 I'll take a bonsai burger or, or I'll take a, a double tall vanilla latte at Starbucks or, or the person that sits next to you in your university class or the professor uh, who's down, uh, down the hall or whatever it is, but that there would be a level of kingdom urgency in you. And I know that all of us together uh, can make a big difference. And I'm not saying that it's the entire world, but I do know that if we will be faithful to what God's called us to do, just like it's, I think, Jesus' dream that every local church across the world uh, would be faithful to what God, who God's called them to influence, that we would see a significant move of God. And so I want to invite us today to look at Jesus in this, uh, in this conversation in John 4. And, and over the next few weeks, I, I want to look at some other conversations, but I want to start with this one. And here's Jesus. He's our example. And Jesus um, starts, I would just say starts a culturally abnormal conversation. And I want to invite you to start culturally abnormal conversations. It's very difficult to get out of our comfort zone. We get into little routines where we don't mean to, but we start to think, 
Okay, I have my daily habits, my daily routines. I have my daily goals. I have the things that I'm responsible for. I have the bills that I have to pay. I have the things that I have to do. And I don't really have time to be disrupted. And yet Jesus would invite us otherwise. Jesus looks at this woman at the well, Samaritan woman, and crosses the awkward gender barrier in that culture. Men would have looked down on women. They should not, but that would have been the culture. And Jesus crosses that boundary and he speaks to her. They would not have had conversations with Samaritans. There would have been, um, there would have been religious reasons. There would have been uh, reasons, um, e- e- even the way that Jews looked at the Samaritans because the Samaritans they viewed as um, compromised in their not just theology, but also in the way that they intermarried with other tribes and the Jews would have looked down on them. And the Samaritans would have rejected Jews in the same way that the Jews would have rejected Samaritans. So it would have been normal for Jesus to not talk to this woman. And in our culture, there's people that you know that it would not be normal for you to talk to. There's social reasons. There's economic reasons. There's, there's, there's racial tensions. There's, there's lots of things in our culture where you might not feel comfortable and you like to stay with your people. I know when I say you, I, I'm this way too. We all, we all have the kind of people that, that we're used to talking with. And Jesus looks at this lady and he steps over that barrier and he looks at her and the way that Jesus steps over the barrier is the normal way of the kingdom. So it's the abnormal way of the culture, but it's the normal way of the kingdom. So when Jesus looks and says, in Revelation, we read that one day there's a great multitude that no one can count from every tongue, tribe, and nation, and they're all worshiping around the throne. So so a little bit of kingdom now, a little bit of Jesus the king at work right here is that it's, it's normal for him to cross over barriers and speak to her. So he sees the one. So when the disciples come back and the disciples, I'm like, what are you doing, right? Jesus, Jesus isn't allowing the cultural norm to set the way that he lives. And I love this phrase in John 4. And I started with this because I just think it's fun. I just love, I believe the phrase. Now he had to go to, through Samaria. He had to because he wanted to connect with someone. And I want to invite you that there are people on your pathway and maybe people that it is um, not necessarily convenient for you that they're on your pathway. I'm not even just talking about your daily path, but as you abide, as you listen to Jesus, there could be people that you are called to go to that's uncomfortable. And if Jesus is going through Samaria, you got to go through Samaria too. Like that you'll take a a step where you go, okay, I know what it is to go through my drive-through, listen to my music, do my thing. And yet the kingdom way instead of the cultural way is to do kingdom normal things, but they're culturally abnormal things. And so I want to invite us to think, what would it look like for you to be a kingdom person more than a consumer person? Listen, I'm a consumer. I've got some things that I really, really like. I really, really like seafood. I really like some specific places. I I really, really like black coffee. I really, really like aha. I don't know if you know this, but it's great. Soda water. I'm a consumer. I got some things that I really enjoy. But In the United States, it's easy for you and me in our habits to think of ourselves so much as consumers that we actually allow consuming products over being kingdom people. And the way of the kingdom is is actually where we see people over products. So you live in a culture that says, this is all about me. So I deserve, uh, I deserve, uh, I, 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 I made this dollar. And so 
the cultural way of thinking is because I worked hard, I made this dollar, I deserve goods and services for the dollars that I make. Therefore, I'm going to choose um, what I, what's convenient to me, maybe. Maybe, uh, what's, maybe what's the best price. Um, maybe what I like. And that's normal consumption. That's the way that consumers think. And yet, that's not the kingdom way. The way of Jesus was not what's convenient. The way of Jesus is, how is my father leading me? What's the direction that I should go? Should I go through Samaria? Uh, the, the way of the kingdom is not what's convenient for me. It's I have others in mind. I'm not looking at self. I'm looking at people. The way of the kingdom is not what do I like? It's what could I use that I possess that could make an eternal difference in their, for their soul? So it's a very different way of thinking. So I remember, um, I remember uh, going with some, when, when I was in junior high, I, I, we used to do this thing where we would go over to other people's house for the day. And so I would experience a culture of their family. And I remember going to uh, my friend's houses and experiencing this, uh, this strong American culture that was so about, I deserve this and I paid for this. And so, and so we would get into this environment um, when I would go with this friend to this restaurant after church with his family. I was embarrassed by how mean that family was to the waitstaff. And I remember listening to his father rail about how he made a, a paycheck and how he deserved to get better service than that. And I just remember as a 13-year-old going, wow, I, just shock. And yet I think that's often the way that we're formed. We're often formed into that way of thinking, but we want to be formed in the way of Jesus thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And so the way of Jesus thinking is not, I see me, it's I see you. The way of Jesus thinking is, hey, it's not even just necessarily that this is the best bargain. It's not even just the best, hey, you sell goods and services, and so I want the best goods and services, so I'm a consumer first. No, I'm a kingdom disciple first. So I'm here, and I see you. And yeah, of course, we all want to save a dollar, be good stewards. I know we'll do a Dave Ramsey series one day. But, 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 but more than that, I'm not here. Money is such a secondary thing. In fact, what I want to use is I want to use the dollars that I have to help you see Jesus. And so, so I might leave a 25% tip or I might leave a 32% tip or I might pay an extra dollar for a latte when it should only be, dear Lord, $5 instead of $6 or buy some boba. I don't know. Like, I know this is a hard sermon to give in this inflation season, but nonetheless, um, it remains kingdom true, <laughs> even if it's a difficult time. Right? Are you with me? And so I want to invite you to start to think, okay, what would it look like for me to give calendar time to intentionally trying to help people who are not disciples yet? You could call them pre-disciples. They're not disciples of Jesus yet, but you got a vision for them to become a disciple of Jesus. So the, the American way is usually, uh, I got to make this wage. I, I want to stop and get my drink and I'm going to drive my car and I'm going to listen to my favorite radio station or what I like on Spotify and I got to run this errand and I go there because they have the best goods and services and they do it the way that I like it. I want to invite you to pull back. I want to invite you to live your, live your life and I want to invite you to kind of put a different lens and it's more like the Jesus lens and it's, Father, where do you want me to go? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to abide, right? I'm aiming at, I, people are the mission and so it's not just 
it's, it's not just the, the laundry place that uh, is, the, is close to my house. It's, it's, maybe it starts at my house, but, but I got people on my mind. I, so I'm working. I'm, I'm thinking about the people more than I'm thinking about myself. And every single one of those is like a well. The well here in this first century would have been a place where people would see each other. It's a public place. And then they would go back. You got wells. You got, you got wells all the time. You got wells. And now... Now, I, I, and I want to invite you to not be so culturally normal. You do everything from your house and you don't leave your house. I want to invite you to think. I'm, I'm, my first relationship is Jesus, but my second relationship is, uh, is people. So I'm, I'm a people person. Well, I'm not that on the Enneagram. Okay, I'm not talking about Enneagram. I'm, I'm talking about you and what Jesus called you to do to be on mission and have people as the mission. So beginning to think, how, where can I go? I remember uh, talking to this pastor in Arkansas um, when I was in college. I was a theology student. He invited me to come to his little country church out in Arkansas. And, uh, and I loved coffee. And so I was talking to him about uh, coffee. And he said, yeah, David, there's a new Starbucks that came to town. And I was like, oh, that is amazing. Because back in the 90s, it was like, there's this new place called Starbucks. And wow, right? And he said, oh, I don't go there. And I said, you don't go to Starbucks? Who are you, alien? You know, like bizarre. And he said, no, I go to Sweet Bay. And I was like, oh, do they have better coffee? And he goes, I don't go to Sweet Bay for the coffee. I go to Sweet Bay for the people. I go to Sweet Bay. And he said, actually, I think their coffee ain't that great. He goes, but I've been going there for years because that's my well. Those are the people. Those are the baristas. That's my place. So he's, he's forming, not the way that he thinks, is not thinking, where can I consume goods and services the best if it's me? But he's thinking, he's got people and eternity on his mind. So what would it look like for you to think, okay, like Jesus, I'll go to Samaria. I'll go through it. Now I know when I say this, I'm just using uh, our wealthy nation's goods and services and applying it to first century Samaria. And I know that that's, that's different in the sense that it's much difficult in the first century. But nonetheless, the principles remain true for you and me as we follow the ways of Jesus here and now. Second thing I see in Jesus here is that Jesus shows no condemnation in the conversation. Jesus shows no condemnation in the conversation. So he knows full well. I mean, he makes the statement, hey, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. So he knows that there's been six different men. And yet the entire time he engages in this conversation. And I think that you and me, I do this. I'm, 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 I'm preaching to myself. It's tempting for me to have a little bit of uh, religious pride as we talk to broken people. It's a little bit like they're a little bit, we're a little bit distant because the level of sin and brokenness in their life, choices that they've made, has led them to a place where, and it's easy to have a gap. And if we're gonna be like our savior, Jesus, we're gonna be the people that start the conversations, engage with the people and are full of grace. Uh, in John 1, 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So Jesus embodied grace and truth. So I'm not saying that we show grace through the absence of truth. And I don't think that we see do truth with the absence of grace. We wanna be people that possess both in all of the ways that we evangelize. I was with uh, my kids this week and uh, we, we do our, uh, our, our day off on Fridays and and, and I felt like I got uh, witnessed to uh, by someone who had a lot of truth, but not, not grace. 
So, so it felt hard. It was not like Jesus showing gentleness and kindness. And, 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 and that's, I think that in general, um, when we read in Romans, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And, and so I, I think we want to demonstrate the kindness of Jesus as we start conversations with people. And at the same time, we're a people of truth. So um, grace without truth is, is meaningless. It's just, it's, it's sweetheart spineless. But truth without grace is just mean. <laughs> like those people are just, you don't want anything to do with them. It's just, you can't feel the kindness of Christ. And so we want to start conversations with people filled with grace and truth, like we see in Jesus. And here's Jesus. And he talks to this lady of course, she's probably there at noon because uh, alone, normally they would travel in, in packs as ladies and probably early in the morning, she's not with them. She's there by herself. She's, all of the commentators talk about she's probably rejected in her town, Sychar, because of how she has lived. Um, she would be at the bottom of the bottom and that's why she's alone. And so Jesus, there's a story in John 3 where Jesus meets with a very well-to-do male and then John gives us John 4, the lowest female. And the idea that we get from John is that Jesus covers the spectrum. He taught, he, he's with everybody. So he's got Nicodemus at night. For those of you 80s kids with me, it's Nick at night right there. That's a funny joke right there. Nicodemus at night in John 3. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. We're the same age. And then, and then you got John 4 right there where he goes and he has this conversation with gentleness and kindness with this lady. So I just wanna invite you on a Sunday morning, in addition to through the week, we will have people that come through these doors. And as we move to 135th and Quivira, there will be people that will never step into this space. They're like, I don't know what a church is where it's pop-up signs and trailers. But once that we're in that new building and it says Radiant Church, there will be people that will step in for the first time. There will be people that will be like, I drove by and I just stopped. Here's what I wanna invite you to do. I wanna invite you to possess to the best of your ability, both grace and truth. So 100% we're the people that say um, that it's his kindness that leads to repentance. And we show kindness like the way that Jesus showed this lady. And in addition, we're the people that say there is only one way. Jesus is the way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have some backbone. This is the good news of the gospel. There is only one way. It's Jesus. But we're also the kindness of Jesus that shows grace and gentleness the way that Jesus does here. All right, and then just one more thing that I see in this uh, that I wanted to invite you to see as you become a witness, as you pray for lost people, as you start to have spiritual conversations, as you turn every environment that you possibly can into a well where you take a step. And I know, listen, listen, sometimes when, um, in general, people don't like this. They don't like talking about evangelism. This is something that uh, American evangelical church, for the most part, people don't like because in our culture, everything is done for us. And in general, we love comfort. And can I tell you this? Evangelism is rarely ever comfortable. Yeah. I, I, it just is not comfortable. But because you have a world that says, give me, I want movies on demand. I don't even want to go to the grocery store. Just give me some Instacart people. I just want it all at the door. I don't, I, I don't even want to have to talk to people. You, you, this muscle's hard for you to work where there's a deficit in our day. And I want to invite you that that is something that we as a people have to be abnormal in the culture in. We're a people people. We're into people. 
So the, the medium, the, there might be a medium that makes it more comfortable for, or more convenient or more enjoyable for me, but I actually find more joy rejoicing with heaven like Luke 15. So I'm into people. Are you tracking with me? So I need you to think not mostly about how do I make my life more convenient? I want to invite you to think, how do I make my life more fruitful? How do I make my, how do I get in that tank with people? What does it look like for me to become the person that Jesus invites me to be so that I'm helping people come to Jesus, helping them be discipled, helping them go to make more disciples. So that's a whole different way of thinking than thinking like the culture. You live in a, in a cultural norm where it's even cultural to just check a box and come to church on Sunday. That's, that, that's, hey, if that's you and you go, hey, all I want to do, David, is I just want to sing you know, songs half-heartedly, check a box, and, um, and, and I don't really care. Whoa, 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 that, That's not the Jesus that we see. I was to invite you. You got you to get closer to him because if you, get, if you get close enough to Jesus, you'll end up like this woman who in this text, she goes back, she tells the whole town about what he's done for you. So it's normal in our culture for us to be people that are just lukewarm, but it's not normal for the people that have been with Jesus. The people that have been with Jesus go back and they say, hey, come meet a man who told me everything I ever knew about me. And the whole town goes, whoa, we want to go meet him too. And so let's, let, let me, I just get one more thing here. Jesus has a clear mission in the conversation. This is all I want. This is the last one. Here's what I want. I want to invite you to work on, you're like, David, I feel like I went to school today. This was not as nice as normal. Okay. But let me tell you this, I want to spend this year getting ready for next year because I believe that God's called us to reach thousands of people and we're just getting started. I believe God's called us to reach a lot of teenagers and we're just getting started. I believe that when Asher Bird gets up here and says, hey, God's at work in the nations, one day we want to be a church where we know, yeah, we know we're connected to lots of different people around the world where we've got a heart that cares more about those people coming into Jesus than we care about our $7 Starbucks. Are you with me? All right, so it's gonna take a, a reframe for us to get there. And I know many of you are already there. I know some of you are on the way, but some of you are just getting started. And some of you are like, oh, I just like the shallow end of the pool, David. Don't take us any deeper. Hey, Christianity is constantly getting deeper. It's constantly saying, take me deeper. I wanna know Jesus. I wanna get closer to him. All right, so let me just give you a few thoughts. This is just as I read it. I, I, I this might sound strange, but this is just as I read it over and over again. Here's a couple things I noticed. I noticed the way that Jesus didn't let the lady step out of the conversation. Like he's so kind, but his, his way of talking is so on mission. Listen to this. First, he asked a question. Will you give me a drink? I said, well, I'm gonna take just Jesus' responses. I'm gonna take hers out for a minute. I just want you to see Jesus. Because I feel like I can see Jesus on mission here. She, he asks a strong question, will you give me a drink? Then he makes a strong statement. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Then he makes an offer. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I have given will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in, the, in, in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then he gives her a strong challenge. Go, call your husband and come back. He knows the truth. That's strong. Then he shares a strong revelation. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands. This is, this is strong. This is direct. And the man you're now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Whew. All right. Then he teaches her. Believe me, a time is coming. Uh, when, you will, when, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And he gives that whole thing. Now, just gives that little, little teaching right there. And then at the end, 
he comes through and just says, mm, he reveals himself at the very end, that last statement where he goes, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And Jesus, you know, all through the scripture in John, he's saying, I am the gate. I am the light of the world. I am the door. This is, this is who he, he speaks of who he is. And the reason I wanted to highlight that is just because I believe our conversations need to be intentional and on purpose, and you're gonna be rejected. She's like, hey, I don't really wanna talk about this. Didn't, did, did it, we, were, we, we worship on the mountain and you guys worship in Jerusalem. Let's have a theological debate. He goes, no, 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 let's talk about you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a woman, you're a man. Why, why are we talking? Oh, no, let's talk. Uh, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. He goes, oh, keep it. Uh, are you with me? Like Jesus, is fo- he had to go to Samaria and he just kept the intentional conversation. And when I say that, I'm not saying that in every conversation you have that, but in a macro way, when you think about that you are intentional with people, you will experience where they will try to dodge your questions and get out of it. Everybody in America loves to be shallow, but you're called to go deep. You are there. So you're intentional. You're, I don't want to say everybody. I mean, I know there's deep people, but I'm saying like in general, we just like everything comfortable and shallow. Instead of like, hold on a second, heaven and hell are realities. I am a disciple of Jesus. I have to be, do what Jesus called me to do. I desire that you would be around in heaven, worshiping him. So we got, we got listen, friends, we have, we're going to have eternity to worship and be together, you and me. And this is the only time that we have to be a witness. This is it. This is all we got. So there's going to be a day where we can gather together and sing songs. Woohoo! But we got this little window to try to be a light, to try to shine bright the light of Jesus. So I want to invite you to start thinking this way. In fact, one of the things that we're doing is we're, we're developing uh, what we call city groups, where the only purpose of the group is just to be around people who don't know Jesus, just to be around pre-disciples. So you could start that kind of group. You could start a group where the only goal is to get around people who don't know Jesus yet. That's one of the things when we get to our fall semester, I think it'd be great to have five. That's what I'm dreaming of. Right now we have zero, but dad and I've been dreaming it up. So the dream is we want to have five where that's your goal, where you're just thinking, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start a group. I'm gonna get one co-leader with me that's a follower and we're just gonna play basketball. What's up? Or we're gonna, I don't know, we're gonna go sit somewhere. Uh, it's cheers on Friday nights. You know, I don't know, like go figure it out, but pray about it and ask God, what would it look like for you to develop? Maybe you would be one of those small group leaders. Okay. Last thought is this. Um, I, I, I just see in John four, I just want to finish with this last phrase. It says this, just this conversation with the disciples, but then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? It's just interesting because that that's actually seems kind of weird, doesn't it? It doesn't say this is what they asked. John gives us, in hindsight, what they didn't ask. So the way that I see it is what they probably should have asked. <laughs> this is probably what we should have said. We should have said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? It should have been a moment where we should have learned what Jesus is doing, which is what we're doing here today. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? This is a great phrase, verse 30. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So the people in the town where she was from made their way toward him. Just picture the moment. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. So they've gone in to get food. Jesus has been talking to this lady. The people of the town are walking to him. And the disciples in verse 31 say, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, 
one of the most beautiful phrases. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, so, so Jesus talking in terms of big spiritual language. Oh, I'm saving souls. I came to seek and save the lost. I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I see the one while you see the stomach. I see the lady that needs Jesus. Well, you see the bread. You see what's convenient? I've gone out of my way sacrificially to make a difference in the life of this woman that will ultimately make a difference in the life of this town. I've got spiritual food. You're fo focused on temporal food. I've got food to eat that you know nothing about. And this disciple said to each other, listen to them. This is just like you and me. Boneheaded. Did you get him food? Did you get him food? They said, could someone have brought him food? So Jesus is smiling, looking as the people of the town walk up. The lady has just dropped her bucket and run. And they're still talking about, did you get him food? Did you get him food? Did you run to Red Robin? Who ate? What, what, who helped him? What? Jesus, he's got people on his mind. I got food you know not of. I, 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 I got a vision that's far bigger than just my stomach at the moment. He says this, verse 34. My food, my food. This is, this is what I'm asking you to do for the next 21 days. You can fast something if you want. I think it's a great idea. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the phrase, and to finish his work. He goes back. Jesus always talking about the Father. This is what he does. He's so connected. It's what I want for you. It's what I want for me. Okay, God, I'm connected to you. I want the food of heaven. I want to finish the work that you have for David. 46, God, whew, here we go. Ain't a youth preacher no more. What does it look like in Kansas City? I know what it looked like before. What does it look like right now? Got to preach all these sermons all the time now. Whew. God, right now, my kids are all taller than me now. Oh, God. They, th things are changing. Don't want to live on yesteryear. Don't want to just dream about the future. I got this week. This week. What does it look like? My food this week. I want to do the work that you have for me. Then Jesus says, verse 35, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, this is, this is why I named the series this. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Open your eyes. Open your eyes at the harvest at Starbucks. Open your eyes at the students at JCCCCCCCCC. <laughs> Open your eyes on the road. I hate the joke. I'm a Christian except for when I'm driving. Oh, no, no. Don't do that. I don't put Christian bumper stickers on my car because I ain't saved when I drive it. Oh, no. All the time. Yeah. All the time. I, I want to I drive. I want to, each day, I got, I, I, I'm doing the work. I, well, Father, what's the work that you got for me? What does it look like? So, yeah, maybe it's the same places you already go. Maybe it's you go to new places. But you got people on your brain. Maybe it's one, maybe it's three, maybe it's seven, maybe it's 10. I just love this phrase. This is it. If you remember anything, just remember my old country preacher friend in Arkansas. David, I don't go to Sweet Bay because they got good coffee. 
I go to Sweet Bay for the people. Actually, I'll bet Starbucks coffee is a lot better, but I've been going to Sweet Bay for years. And those are the people Jesus called me to reach. That's how honest I think. Oh, my motive is not me and my dollar. No, my motive is them. And I got a dream. I got a dream that one day, maybe you would lead them to Christ. Boom, where you work at your cubicle. Maybe you make an invitation, come to my small group. Maybe you make an invitation, can I pray for you? Maybe you take that step, make an invitation. You wanna come to our church? Maybe you make the step. I was talking to a guy this week and uh, Renata teases me because um, there's a certain kind of guy that when I talk to them that I just, I've traveled enough that there's uh, some, some different pockets of the country where when I talk to that kind of guy, I just kind of come alive. And I was talking to this guy and we were just, I was just, he didn't know Jesus, but I was just coming alive, like yucking up. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a social person. And I was just, and I was just looking for ways. I made the invitation. I felt like the only way I felt like as far as I could go was I was like, tell him about our church. We didn't have a whole lot of Jesus conversations yet. It felt like it was my first conversation. But we got, we got it. I'm just invite you to just be like Jesus. Just look for, okay, look for the open door. God, what, how, how close can we go? What, 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 what's your step? Not what's my step. I don't force anything. But I don't want to be, I don't want to stand before God one day and have missed the well. Oh, missed the moment. Life is short. And when Jesus says this, isn't it four months until the harvest? This is first century slang for, proca- for procrastination. We don't talk that way, but that's what, that's what, it's four months. Everything will be okay. But Jesus has an urgency that the disciples don't have. And we need to have an urgency now because life is but a mere breath. And so we're just aiming at it. I know I said I was going to end. I'm just one more thing, one more thing. When I was growing up, uh, my, my friends worked on the, the farm and they were wheat farmers. And in harvest season, they disappeared. Like while the rest of us city kids were going to the Moscow city pool for 50 cents and chilling out and hanging out, they were laboring. They were working hard. And we all ended up wimps. They ended up tough and strong. But here's what I learned about harvest. Harvest is work. It's labor. And it's sometimes we go, I don't want to do spiritual labor. I want to be a spiritual consumer. But the way of the kingdom always takes people that start with consuming, but become disciples that make disciples that make disciples that start to have a passion to labor. And I want to invite us on a Sunday and on a Monday and on a Wednesday and on a Saturday to be people that labor in the spiritual realm in prayer. And then we overflow with, let me tell you about the man He saved my soul. Let me tell you my story. Will you bow your heads with me? You take a moment and will you pray for, I'd like to invite you to pray for one person, just one that you know, that Jesus might be inviting you to help them on their journey. One that you could have a conversation with.
Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I lift up all of the prayers for all of the people that were just prayed for quietly in, in people's minds. And we ask, that's our next step as a harvest. I pray for those people to one day worship with us in heaven. And God, we don't know all the ways that you're gonna do it. We don't know all the conversations to be had, but we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. May it be normal for us to act like kingdom people instead of consumer cultural people. Do a work inside of us. If you're in the room today and you know that you're not, you're not currently walking with Jesus. Maybe you never have, or maybe you've just strayed. But today you want to realign your affections and your allegiance and give your life to Jesus and let him save you. If that's you today, in just a moment, I'm gonna give you that opportunity. I'm not gonna bring you to the front. I'm not gonna take you to a side room. I'm just gonna give you the chance from your seat to pray this prayer with me. But if you'd like to pray that prayer and begin that journey as a follower of Jesus, on three, I just want you just to raise your hand wherever you're at, and then I'm gonna have you just slip it back down. All right? Okay, ready? Lift it up at one, two, three, just wherever you're at. Good. Okay, gotcha. Yep, see ya, gotcha. All right, just now would you pray this prayer with me? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. Save me and make me new. Give me eternal life. I want the eternal water that I might never thirst again. Make me a new person. I give you all in Jesus' name.